during meet and, during the meet and greet time, one of you came up to me and said, we need to see the hands of the people that said they like fruitcake again. So I'd ask uh, to those of you that like fruitcake uh, to raise your hands again. That would be great. Okay, look. So, <laughs> I know, jo- <laughs> Jamal loves fruitcake. When you get a fruitcake, put it in one of those water balloon launchers. Launch it because they have great depth and density. Aim it in the direction of Jamal's house, and it will get there. So, but, uh, so you saw the people that need fruitcake, so there you go. So I really, really, really was doing a great job this year of experiencing joy during this time of the year, unlike perhaps in recent years past. I found myself more joyful and not getting overly analytical about various Christmas TV commercials that drive me nuts. I even found myself sitting down and watching a Hallmark Christmas movie. This, without making any derogatory comment about the predictable storyline the cheesy lines that the characters use, and how nothing in life ever goes as the Hallmark Christmas movies tell you it's supposed to go. I kept my mouth shut. So thank you. I actually, uh, I didn't know I'd get that type of... We're done now. Let's move on. So I was giving myself a great deal of praise because I was experiencing what I thought was joy. I felt really good about things. I was feeling good about what was going on and and how I was approaching the season and going throughout this season. And then Heidi and I were home the other night and she threw me one of the biggest questions that shook me to the core. It shook me to such a place where this depth of joy that I thought I had in abundance, I quickly found out that it might not be that deep after all. This question that she asked caused my heart rate to increase. It caused my mind to run in directions of all possible scenarios that could unfold over the next couple of hours. And the level of joy that I had been experiencing before she asked me that question began to dip significantly. The question was this, Dad... Would you like to go with me to Walmart? <laughs> In a matter of moments, I was, I was at this level of great joy and great peace. And then all of a sudden she asked, would you like to go with me to Walmart? And it plummeted. And I mean it plummeted substantially. Because all of a sudden I realized that I was going to be around a whole mob of people. It was going to be mass chaos. If you noticed earlier, I haven't done any Christmas shopping so far, so I've avoided that. But all of a sudden I realized my joy was misplaced. That my joy was in circumstances and therefore it's not really joy at all. And what occurred to me is, uh, after Heidi asked me that question, and by the way, I agreed to go. We had a wonderful experience. It was great. Um, you know, when Heidi gets to hang out with me, it's always a highlight for her. Um, she thinks it's incredible. It's always a highlight for me to hang out with her as well. But I made it through that experience relatively unscathed, yet it caused me to ask myself some questions about joy. Because 
I don't know if you're like me or not, but oftentimes joy is not readily available in my life. Throughout the Bible, there's, there's places throughout the Bible where we're told the following, be joyful always. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Have joy in the midst of the grief because you know that the Lord is with you. It's interesting that joy is the number two on the, on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Joy is found all throughout the Bible in some very unlikely places. Yet, I invite you right now to take a look at your own life. During this Christmas season, do you find much joy within you? Do you find much joy when asked the question, do you want to go with me to Walmart? We can list a variety of reasons for our struggles with joy, but, but what we're about to see in the passage, and I invite you to go to Luke 1 right now, what we're about to see in this passage is that there are two women who have everything, they have great things going on in their lives, but yet life has thrown them massive curveballs. And instead of them wallowing, they kept their focus where it needed to be all along. It kept their focus in such a way that they were able to jump for joy. So I invite you to take a look at this passage in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 39. We read these words, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Father, we pray now as we come into this time of looking at your word, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we could see. Open our ears that we would understand. Open our minds that, or open our ears that we could hear and open our minds that we could understand and open our hearts that we would be able to say, you are our joy. Father, have mercy on us for the times that we put our definition of joy in the wrong place, our focus of joy in the wrong place, and therefore we have no joy. And Lord, I pray right now that you'd reach into every single one of our lives in such a way that we understand more clearly that you are our joy. And may no one hear anything that I say, but may they only hear what it is that you want them to hear. And that in all of this, Lord Jesus, you would be lifted up. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, just to recap what's going on as we come to this place in, in Luke's Gospel, Mary has recently been informed that, that she is going to have one of the biggest tasks ever given to any human on this planet throughout history. You are going to give birth to the long-awaited Messiah. 
For thousands of years, it had been, been foretold that the Messiah, Emmanuel, would come to Israel and live among the people. Mary received this news, and, and she had heard the stories about the Messiah. She had heard the stories when she was a young girl, and she kept hearing again and again and again that the Messiah is going to arrive, the Messiah is going to arrive, and here's the way he's going to arrive. He's going to come through a virgin, a virgin. I find it very difficult to believe that Mary thought that she heard these stories, heard these prophecies as she was growing up, that she would be that virgin. Yes, 13 and 14 year old girls in that time were expected to get married and begin having children, yet this situation was entirely different. She's about to give birth to not just another baby boy. She's about to give birth to the one who will be called the Son of the Most High. What would you do? What would you do if you received that news? We might not know precisely what we would do, but we do know what what Mary did. Look what happens here in verse 39. It says that at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She took a road trip. She went on this. She experienced joy in the journey. Let me read this again. So verse 39, and then we pick it up in verse 40, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Mary has this amazing encounter with the angel Gabriel. He tells her this news. And oftentimes we sit there and think, well, Mary was excited to be part of this. But yet, she immediately gets out of town. And notice what Luke says. He says, she got up and hurriedly went out of town to the hill country of Judea. We're not told if she talked to her parents. We're not told if she talked to Joseph at this particular time. We're not told any of that, any of that information. But, but what we do know is that Mary took a road trip. And this road trip that Mary took was approximately 70 miles. It would be like you and I, after the service is done here, walking to Santa Clara. I think the 49ers are in town today so we could go watch a game. I don't think they're going to win. But anyway, what am I talking about? The Steelers are on a three-game losing streak right now. It's not good. But let's get back here. This trip would take Mary approximately a week, 70 miles, so 10 miles a day. It's going to take her a week, and she's going to go through some rough terrain. And what makes this interesting is this is that Luke says she takes off and and why is that so interesting it's interesting because we know that Mary is engaged to be married to Joseph engaged women at that time were kept in seclusion in their parents home for the year prior to their marriage so for her to take off was a radical radical move on her part She takes off. And notice, she takes off hurriedly. Why would she leave town so quickly? Well, do the math. You're Mary's parents. 
She's 13 or 14 years old. She's pledged to be married to a guy by the name of Joseph. She comes in and talks to you and says that she's had this angel talk to her about become, she's going to become pregnant with God himself, Jesus Christ. How would you respond? She gets out of town quickly. She gets out of town quickly, and I ask you this question, would you believe her? Would you believe that Mary had this experience? You would hope so. But my goodness, what a story. What an amazing experience she had. But she left town hurriedly. And I invite you right now, keep your finger in Luke chapter 1 and go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Questions about whether or not anyone would believe her are real. But then this other thing was also significant. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 20. If, however, the charge is true and no proof of the young woman's virginity can be found, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall stone her to death. She has done an outrageous thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from among you. We don't talk about that part of the story very often, do we? Mary's pledged to be married, engaged to Joseph. She shares that she is now pregnant, but it is not Joseph's child. In that culture at that time, there was a very good possibility that she would be stoned to death. Mary left town hurriedly. Can you blame her? She needs joy in the journey. She needs to know that God is with her. And oftentimes we sit there and we want to believe that we'll have joy all the time in following Jesus. And so we make these different decisions. We make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, yet none of our friends is really keen on that idea, and they'll do whatever they can to discourage us in that decision. You make a decision to forgive a co-worker who's wronged you, and so you forgive them because Christ is moving in your life, the Holy Spirit is moving in your life to express forgiveness to that person. You forgive them, and what does your co-worker do? They mock you. You make a decision that you're going to become more financially generous and give to these things that the Lord seems to be prompting you to, to contribute to. You step out in faith to be generous, and then the next day you wake up, you're getting your car, you turn it on, and the check engine light comes on. You see, we want to believe that when God calls us to do different things, that it's going to be this wonderful, rainbow-filled experience. But the reality is this. We live in a broken world. And as God calls us to do different things, and we take those steps forward to do those very things, we need to be mindful that we need joy in the journey. We need to be mindful of that because it's not easy at times. Mary takes off. 
And Mary takes off and she goes on this journey. And one real quick caveat about Luke's gospel. If you spend time reading Luke's gospel, you'll notice that Luke's gospel could be pretty much known as the travel gospel. There's movement all the time from one city to another city. We're given all this information about stuff. But here's what's interesting. All those points of interest that Luke puts in there, Luke sets the stage for the journey that faith requires. Following Jesus Christ is not a stagnant experience. It is a dynamic experience. It is a moving experience. And Mary decides to take the road less traveled. For 70 miles, we don't know what was going on for those 70 miles. We have no idea where she stayed. What we can somewhat assume, though, is this, is that Mary and God had a few conversations along the way. And she had one destination in mind. And it was her, her cousin, her distant relative, Elizabeth. We pick it up in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Mary's given this information that her life's about to be changed, that she is going to be the deliverer of the Messiah. And what was interesting is, in that encounter that she had with the angel, the angel drops some interesting information in there and says this, even Elizabeth, your relative, who has been told that she's unable to conceive, is now pregnant as well. So Mary gets out of town, she heads to Elizabeth's place, and perhaps the reason why she's going is because she wants to make sure that what she heard is true. Not only did she need joy in the journey, she also needed joy in connection. She needed to be able to know that she's not alone. Folks, we are designed, we are designed to connect with one another. Now hear me on this, I'm, I'm not saying that everybody's called and, and that we're all called to be married. But we are called, we are designed in such a way to connect with one another, to have relationship with one another. And it's when we have those relationships with one another that joy takes hold and joy continues to build in that situation. That's going on right now with Mary and Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What a powerful experience. What a powerful experience. And then all, all what we get from verse 42 down to verse 45 is all Elizabeth talking to Mary. And I want you to notice what's interesting here because this is part of the joy of connecting. Not one time does Elizabeth say, look at me, I'm beginning to show. She's six months pregnant. Her entire focus is on Mary. Her entire focus is on Mary. Part of the joy of connecting with one another is when we get our eyes off of ourselves and look at the other person and celebrate what's going on in their lives. So often we forget that. But Mary and Elizabeth have this experience, and I love what's happening here. Is, is she says this, it says, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and Luke states this, in a loud voice she exclaimed. 
The Greek word used here for the loud, in this loud voice, this Greek word used here means a greeting that is loud, intense, radiant, magnificent, and long. It's not this type of a greeting. Don, hey, how are you doing? Hope everything's well. No, it's this type of, the, of greeting. Don Meister, it is awesome. It is fantastic to see you this morning. And you come up, give him a big hug, and that's what type of greeting we're talking about. That's what this greeting is that Elizabeth has for Mary. It isn't let's sit back and be calm. These are two pregnant women talking. And one of them has just been filled with the Holy Spirit and can't say loudly enough how awesome this is. Joy, folks, comes from these deep places that the Holy Spirit penetrates. And joy comes in this way when we connect with one another. We can celebrate what God's doing. We celebrate here this morning the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We celebrate that 6,200 people came through streets of Bethlehem. We celebrate the fact that this church raised $1,700 on a benevolent Sunday to help with, re- with relief work up north and with the re- rescue work at the, at the uh, campfire. We celebrate that a couple weeks ago we saw two people get baptized. We celebrate that people's willingness to volunteer and generously contribute to the Haggai Project provided this wonderful renovated sanctuary where we can celebrate and worship our Lord. We celebrate the fact that our children's ministry and our student ministry continue to see more and more people get involved so that more and more children and students can have their lives impacted by the Lord. We celebrate that our life group ministry continues to grow and continues to find more and more ways of connecting people with one another so they can rejoice in the work that's going on. We celebrate in the fact that the I-55 ministry said, you know what, firefighters work hard, so we're going to give them a bunch of cookies during this time of the year. We celebrate these things because the Holy Spirit is on the move. We celebrate these things with great joy, not... Hey, that's pretty neat. Glad we're doing that. No, we celebrate it because God says, I am here and there's great joy in connecting with one another and living this out. So Elizabeth screams at Mary, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. God bless you. Great sneeze. Um, Blessed are you, and blessed is the child you will bear. We know that Mary hurriedly took off. She arrives at Elizabeth's and Zechariah's house. And something happened in that connection. Over the course of those 70 miles, she knows eventually she's probably going to have to go back home. Wondering Am I going to be able to handle this? Wondering how am I going to navigate it when I get home? Perhaps she's distraught. Perhaps she's anxious. 
we don't know. But Elizabeth's greeting is, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. All of a sudden, Mary is reminded that she truly is blessed. That yeah, the situation doesn't look really good for you right now, Mary, but you know what? God is with you. You may be thinking that I'm reading way too much into this, that something changed, but look what happens. Mary goes from hurriedly leaving town to then we pick it up, and here's Mary's response. Listen to this, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. When we connect with one another, joy happens and Mary moves from perhaps this anxiety along the road to now writing one of the most beautiful passages that you'll find in anywhere in scripture see what happens is that joy causes us to connect and it never isolates us we're called to connect with one another we're called to connect because God has designed us that way And then, yes, he provides joy in the journey. And yes, he provides joy in our connections. But joy always responds. We pick it up in verse 43 of chapter 1. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. She could not, Elizabeth could not contain her joy because as the Lord moves, there is always a response. She couldn't hold back. She was so ecstatic about what's going on. And you look at verse 43, and I'll read it to you again, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You look at that and you say, whoa, 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 whoa. She said, what? But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Are you picking up what she just said? Elizabeth becomes the first person to publicly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is her Lord. And Jesus is still in the womb. I mean, I'm reading this correct. The mother of my Lord. When the Holy Spirit is on the move, there's great joy and great things begin to make sense. And Elizabeth realizes this redemptive story of of the Messiah coming is now here. It's arrived. And she says, He is my Lord. 
And then she says this, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. In my notes, I said this, that's quite a kick. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. John the Baptist, who's within Mary, growing within her, jumps for joy in hearing Mary's voice. And he's going to be jumping for joy later on in life as he gets to pave the way for Jesus Christ. He gets to do this. He gets to be a part of this. And then verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises for her. There is always joy in the Lord's blessing that He is with us. No matter what's going on in your life right now, the Lord wants you to know that He's with you. Some of you in this room are about to celebrate Christmas without a dearly loved individual. And it's not easy. Some of you in this room are about to celebrate Christmas with the reality that you've received some life-altering news. Some of you in this room are in a family situation where it's estranged and there's been heartache. I'm here to tell you, you are blessed in the midst of that because the Lord is with you and He will give you joy in that journey. He will not let you down. Mary receives these words and it changes her focus. She receives these words and she responds, and we read that passage just a little while ago, she, re- she responds with this incredibly deep and beautifully theologically sound passage because of joy. Because all of a sudden she realizes she's not alone, that God is with her. So when she returns home, she knows it's not going to be easy. She knows it's going to be tricky. She knows there are going to be people questioning whether or not what she's saying is true. But she has joy. And in the midst of that joy, she can keep on going. Perhaps for you this week, the greatest Christmas gift you can give yourself is to allow your focus to be on Jesus Christ and not yourself, but on Him and the fact that He is with you no matter what. You see, joy can be in every and all situations, no matter what. Consider these two women who had every reason to be joyless. Elizabeth, was, was childbearing age, was well in her rearview mirror, and now all of a sudden she's pregnant and she's carrying someone, and you want to think that it's going to be easy for her? Mary's reputation, her family's reputation, Joseph's reputation is about to take a humongous hit by the news that she's going to share with them. Yet, in the midst of it, they relinquish control of their situation. They say, God, you've got this. And you're going to carry me through this. 
The Lord never, ever promises that things will be easy when it comes to following Him. As a matter of fact, He says these words. He says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And Jesus gets in your life and He gets in my life and, and, because, and because He experienced everything, we can find joy no matter what's going on. Because we follow the one who said this, who, who experienced this, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. We can have joy because He gives us joy. And he understands your life, he understands my life, and in the midst of that, he says, I'm here. You can have joy. You can have joy in the journey, you can have joy in connecting with one another, and you can have joy as you respond to the work that I want to do in your life. That's the type of God we have. And that's why we get to celebrate with great joy this Christmas season. Not because of anything we've done but because of what He has done for us. Father, we pray now, as we consider these words, Lord, we confess to You that oftentimes we lose sight of joy because we lose sight of You. And I thank You for these individuals, Mary and Elizabeth, and for their experience. Thank You that You gave them joy in the midst of of their journey, that you gave them joy as they connected with one another, and you gave them joy as they responded in obedience to you. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us with joy as we follow you, as we seek to be the people you want us to be. And we pray that that joy that you give us would be infectious to those around us, And so that others may come to know you, the true God, the Messiah, the Savior. Holy Spirit, do your work. Do your work. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the worship team is going to come back up here and we're going to sing a couple more songs. And, And as we sing those songs... It's my hope, it's my desire that we sing, not just sing, but that we would sing with joy because we have every reason to sing for joy. So I invite you to stand as the band gets ready.